Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. We are honored to be joined by Melody Wihipehana today. Melody has been a leading community figure in flesh and blood for years, adding a spark of positivity and appreciation for the game to the community in numerous ways. She is a founder and one half of the Pitch Perfect Podcast, and one of the three founders of the Rainbow X Pitch League. Thank you so much for joining us today. Kia ora, thank you for having me. I'm very honoured to be on your guys' podcast today, so thanks Felix and Shay. Yeah, can you please tell us, um, you said kia ora, what yes. does that mean? It means hello in Māori, so I am Māori, uh, a Māori from New Zealand, and uh, it's our greeting, it's just like the everyday greeting, like hey, it's kia ora. Is that something that's popular among the general population of New Zealand, or is it more for the uh, Maori community? It's good question. Um, it's becoming more commonplace. Like yeah. it's sort of Te Reo Maori, which is the language of Maori, is becoming more well. It's spoken a lot more and taught more in schools and especially in workplaces, government, which is where I've just recently come from. So we're seeing a lot more of it out there, which is fantastic. And I don't know if you're on my Twitter, but you'll see I try to use Te Reo Māori quite a bit. And I'll just, I call James White, Hemi Ma, which means James White in, in Māori. And that's what he also gets called around the office. So Very yeah. Cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And just a total tourist question here, but if uh, mm. for anyone visiting New Zealand, like, is it kind of a poser thing to try to pick up the language and to greet the locals like that? Or is it is it considered acceptable or encouraged? Like, Oh, absolutely. It's encouraged yeah. and accepted. Yeah. there's a. It's interesting. So I'm, I try not to go into too many segues, but um, quite <laughs> a lot it. of people that visit New Zealand, all people that are here working, tend to learn te reo Māori and, you know, like vocationally get training and become fluent before Māori people do. We don't grow up, not everybody grows up learning Māori. So that's really cool. You come across, you know, somebody that's Spanish or Italian who speaks fluent Māori and you're like, whoa, I don't even speak fluent Māori. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, we usually like to start off uh, our interviews with like an elevator pitch from our guests. So you, can you give us a little about your background um, in games or profession, whatever you want to share with us? Okay. An elevator pitch is usually really quick. Mm, I don't. So elevator pitch. <laughs> it doesn't have to be quick. Okay, cool. Uh, I don't have a background in gaming at all. Like the the last game and pretty much only game I ever played was Pokemon Go, and I loved it because it was social and it was face-to-face, and so you got out, and you got a bit of exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, In terms of professional background, so uh, what would you call me? So I'm a contractor, and normally the contracts that I'm picking up is I'm the last one I had, I was a manager for the Ministry for Environment in New Zealand, so my team developed all the guidance and tools for environmental policies for the country. I have a fashion background as well. So I'm looking to cosplay Melody sing-along at some stage. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of professionally what I do. I'm actually not working at the moment. So I finished up my contract, last contract the day after my birthday. So about three or four weeks ago. So I'm living my best life. 
Um, I've just been sorting my bright lights bulk and Mm -hmm. sorting out a lot of flesh and blood. But, yeah, and so my hobbies outside of fab as well, that's a really good question. Fab is pretty much it for me. So if I'm not playing or trying to figure out decks or attending armories, I collect. So you guys that are listening, because you can't see behind me, I've got shelves full of folders. I've got boxes and cases. And so I that's probably my other hobby, collecting. How did you get started in Fab? Like, where did you hear about it? I I heard about it from one of my old jobs I was in a couple of years ago. Um, they were having a big moan because I think Monarch had just come out. And it had gone to the moon, and they were like, oh, it's ruining the game, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what's this game? What's this game? Never heard of it. And then um, I went to a board game convention, and some board game friends are like, Melody, you should play, try this game. I'm like, mm, I don't know. And then we had lockdown, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have a look. And I watched Chris Sire's unboxing, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. The art is amazing. And I, for, through lockdown, I would just stream it on the TV and watch them get really excited. Um, and that's kind of how I heard about the game and sort of became interested in it. I didn't play at all. So I just collected. How I started was yeah. I, my first box that I ever bought, I spent a lot of money on a Monarch first box. Lots of money because it was so much back then. And all I wanted was a Phantasmal Footsteps. What did I pull? I pulled a Phantasmal Footsteps, and that was it. It was over. Oh, nice. I was like, okay, Amazing. that's that's me. I'm going to continue to collect these, uh, these sets and these cards. And it all kind of went from there. But I was mostly just enamored by the art, the beautiful art. So I purchased a lot of artist proofs since then as mm. well. Um, trying to get my favorite cards, but yeah, that's how I heard about the game and got into it. So you kind of mentioned this is like your first trading card game. What got you excited about collecting? Cause like for Felix and I, this is also our first trading card game and we're not huge collectors, but we do also like to collect things. And prior to this, I have always mentioned that I didn't actually understand collecting. It didn't make any sense to me. Um, but now as I've kind of, gotten into flesh and blood and the collecting aspect i've found things that like i really enjoy about collecting so i'm curious to know what it is about collecting that excites you or or drives you to that aspect of the game great question so just a a disclaimer i i did play a little bit of magic the gathering during that same lockdown period with a friend mm-hmm. of mine because he played it and he was like let's let's try this game i'm like okay cool but i didn't like it um but in terms of collecting For me, it's the thrill of the chase. So I'm quite a gambler. So when I'm cracking packs, so like getting, I think the the big problem was that I got Phantasmal Footsteps in my first ever box, right? Screened the house down. I'm like, that's it. I'm sold. If I hadn't have gotten it, I don't know if I would have cared so much, but I was hooked. And so I'm kind of on that same high all the time. Like I crack a lot of product. And when I'm hitting, you know, cool hits, I'm like, yes, get really excited. And then that's kind of the thing for me. But aside from that, it's the art. 
and I've made friends with some of the artists as well because I, I guess I bought a lot and also become friends and just really appreciative of what goes into the artwork for, for Flesh and Blood and I guess the art direction as well because it comes from LSS. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm not really in the, to collect a, to make money. Mm-hmm. I just yep. like it to collect it. My precious Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Smeagol. <laughs> like my yeah. collection of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that's awesome. Um, how do you store your collection? I'm just curious. It sounds like you have quite a few uh, artist mm. proofs and all that. I have a rainbow array of folders. So I've got about yeah. 20 folders that have my Majestic play sets in them. And I've got this, there's this really cool brand. What's it called? It's called Palms Off Gaming. They're, they're an Australian outfit and they do these really awesome okay. like top loader. Have you heard of them? No, I, I haven't, but uh, we'll need to check that out. And they've got top loader slots. And so I've got a hundred of my artist proofs in one of those. And it comes with a really cool little like felt bag that you can put them in. So I like cool things like that. And I have big 60 liter containers. I don't know what you call <laughs> like with snap locks with all my cases. Yep. And, and We use liters I, too, don't worry. It's, okay, uh, cool. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of how I... <laughs> I'm just looking at, I'm surrounded by flesh and blood in this room and it's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. I need an entire room, a temperature controlled room for all my stuff. I got to use that to sell for my wife. She doesn't like it in the living room. I got to keep it. I got to keep mine clean. Yeah, that's right. But why, well, how do you guys look after your fab? Do you have any tips? Oh, I I need tips because the thing is, and one of the problems that I have with collecting is I I feel like I get all these cool cards, but I don't have a chance to display them or Mm. they just get tucked in a binder and then I forget about them. And once in a while, I'll remember and I get sad. I'm like, hey, what about that card that I was really excited to get? And now it's forgotten about. It feels like actually Toy Story 2. I've tucked the card away and never to be played or seen again i feel like i'm a dragon just hoarding riches away from away I from feel people you. that's my biggest problem yeah but you've got a mm. little i can see in the background sorry for those that are listening you've got a display case yeah yeah i i do but corner? those get filled up they, they they get filled up yeah um there's never enough space that's one thing i've realized I've, I've had to yeah. get a temporary table that's become a not temporary table. It's a huge problem. Yeah, it's been there for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> Shay's calling me out. That <laughs> hurts. No, it There's no so shame here. No oh. shame. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, storing for me is I don't know. It's a conversation that comes up on the Discord all the time. People, I've mentioned it many times how I store my stuff, and I think I have the best system. But that's because it's mine. So, but I I usually just organize mine between play cards and then cards that I'm collecting. So I just have zipper binders for the cards that I'm collecting. And then anything that I play goes into like, we call them shoe boxes. I don't know if they're like 800 count cards. Yep. Yes. Um, I've got heaps uh, of those. Yeah. So I have, I have, I don't know. We call it a, a hotel or whatever has like 12 slots for each box. Um, I want so like one of whole, those. We don't have yeah. them here. 
So mm. I have I have one of those, and I have just every class name on every box. And right now, every class class fits in a box. And then you just grab the sleeve of 800 count, put it on my desk, because, again, I can't keep stuff in my living room because of the optics. And then, uh, yeah, I just get my stuff out. But I don't get to display my collection like some people <laughs> do. So I go into my basement, and I go grab a binder, and I sit on the stairs, and I just flip through the the book and I just look at the art and enjoy my collection by myself sitting on my stairs in my basement. Oh, that is touching, but also sad. (laughs) In my basement on the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Life of a family man. Love it. All right. So before we move on from the topic of art, Melody, would you be able to tell me what your, I guess, some of your favorite, pieces of art or card designs in the game definitely phantasmal footsteps um and shock charmers by Iswadi is another one and uh swarming gloomvale i love swarming gloomvale oh yeah beautiful so those are probably my top three a lot of the illusionist art is really nice as well like uh miraging metamorphosis that's really good. Shimmers. My my wife loves uh, her top cards are Phantasmal Footsteps and Shock Charmers and Shimmers. Really? Uh, yeah. Look at us twinning. And, does yeah. she play? <laughs> she does. She does. Does she? Yeah. So yeah, and it was the art that really drew her in as well. Um, so, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about New Zealand? I mean, mm-hmm. I just learned that you were responsible for uh, the environmental policy for the whole country, which is awesome. <laughs> and uh, what, what what else can you tell you tell me about New Zealand? Can you start with maybe the city that you live in and mm. where is yeah, it sure. located? So I live in a, um, a city called Tauranga. We're on the mm-hmm. eastern part of the North Island of New Zealand. So New Zealand has two parts. There's a North Island that's separated by, you know, a sea and then there's a South Island. So okay. up here we it tends to be a lot more sun up this way. Down south where the new calling is going to be in January of next year in Queenstown. Down there it's they get a lot of snow and um but up here, especially where I live, it's kind of like a, a beachy city. So about a fifteen minute drive for me is one of the best beaches in the country. It's called the Mount Monganui. Um, and it's a hot spot over summer. It's beautiful over there. Um, yeah, so it's, I don't know how many people live in Tauranga. It's, it is a city, but it's probably, yeah, I have no idea. But that's where I live. And I actually live rurally, so I live on the outskirts, um, not on the um, hustle and bustle of the city. Got it. And do you, do you like it there? I love it here. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely That's love awesome. it here. I've lived in a few places in the country, like Auckland, which is where LSS are, uh, mm-hmm. Wellington, which is really cool. I've just um, moved from there a couple of years ago, but definitely Tauranga. It's nice and chill here. Are, are the North and South Islands pretty distinct? I mean, I'm, I have, I've never been to New Zealand. I, I really hope to go. I'm just wondering, when people think of New Zealand things like the lord of the rings and like mm. all those beautiful landscapes are they thinking of the south island or the north island like what's what's the difference between the two even ah uh, well the okay if you think about lord of the rings a lot of lord of the rings was filmed down south 
Okay. Like the landscape and like oh, amazing, you know, landscape down there. Whereas like Hobbiton is not far from where I live. So it's like 40 minutes away. It's in a place called Matamata. Okay. It's a rural little town, tiny little town. Um, so there is a difference. Like I said before, down south, like that's where all of our ski slopes are. So snowboarding mm. and skiing. Coronet Peak is down there, which is where Queenstown is. Um the card coronet peaks are inspired by that and it's huge rural community um down south um up this way yeah there's probably we're more beachy there's a lot more beaches um and yeah okay and Mm. and more people live on the north island right yes like more cities and and all yeah okay that's that's awesome uh, New Zealand is also a pretty small country, right? Like, I think you were talking, how many million people? Five. That's yeah. That that boggles my mind because New Zealand has such a massive cultural impact across the world, and in terms of population, only quote unquote five million people live in the entire country. It's uh, you know, great things. So many great things have come from New Zealand, <laughs> like yeah, Lord of the Rings, Flesh and Blood, um. Yeah, the, the the list goes on. Is is that a trope that gets, or, or a reference that gets tiresome? Like that the most famous thing is the Lord of the Rings, or is that still something that's like that you're excited about, or that it's great to hear that people know of, you know, New Zealand because of something like that? Um, yeah, I think it's still pretty cool. Like we've that's. Probably one of, you know, even though, you know, the person that split the atom was Kiwi, can't remember his name, but, you know, there's mm-hmm. scientific stuff we've done as well that's pretty yep. important. But I think that's probably the most memorable that many people can relate to is Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson yep. and his movies, and we'd, probably Weta Workshop as well, because they've worked on so many movies. They're yep. well known. Um, yeah. With working in environment and I think it was Lord of the Rings that really helped put New Zealand on the map as a a movie making destination. Is that an industry that you had to work with at all during your time uh, working with the environment? No, 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 no. I mean, I know people that were in the movies. I mean, obviously we're a small country of 5 million, (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah, no, I, haven't had much to do. I know that there's loads of stuff as since then, you know, because it really raised the profile of our country. We've had loads of stuff recorded here yeah. in heaps and heaps and heaps, which is fantastic. Great for our economy mm-hmm. and tourism. Now that tourism op- has opened back up since COVID, it's been really good. Can you tell me a little bit about the culture of New Zealand? What makes New Zealand unique to 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 others? To other countries? Other, other, yeah, to other countries, other cultures. Oh. Um, that's a really good question. What's unique about us? I think one of the great – well, it's a great thing for us is that, uh, is that we have a Te Tiriti or Waitangi, which is the Treaty of Waitangi, which um, was created when the coloni when we were colonized, and it was between Maori and the English. So we actually have a treaty, and we have a, an understanding 
um, between us, which, so for Indigenous people, that's great. So, you know, we have rights, um, although we struggle a bit, and there are certain, you know, our culture as a Māori, because I'm a Māori person, is retained in our language and all that sort of stuff. So that is something that's really special that I don't think has happened in a lot of other countries, if at all. You know, so a lot of the indigenous cultures, their languages and that kind of stuff has been lost um, from colonization and they've, you know, maybe they get put on a reservation or, you know, if we look to Australia with the Aboriginals, um, it's, yeah, and for a lot of indigenous cultures. So I think we're very, I don't know if fortunate's the right word, the Māori people were great and they were onto it and they said, you know what, let's, we need a treaty so that we've got this understanding. Um I think that is really special and I think that is unique. Um, and yeah, that's probably my top one. Sorry, getting a little bit political yeah, no, there. That's, but... that, that, that's <laughs> huge. And Canada has a very checkered past with its um, First Nations people. And it's, mm. um, yeah, it's still something that, that the nation has to grapple with. Um, same as as many other cultures or many other countries worldwide so and i i mean just to to pivot back towards flesh and blood here would you be able to tell us maybe some ways that new zealand um or the the heritage of new zealand or the culture of new zealand is is in the dna of flesh and blood the culture of new zealand Hmm, that's a tough or one. Is it, I, I guess, or am I just um, drawing too many? Too many. No, lines? no, no, no. I think, I think, the culture of the community, the flesh and blood community, is very New Zealand Kiwi-ish. You know, like we're very friendly, we're very approachable, um, and inclusive. So I think that's what comes through from the community game and community that we have in the game, whether it's online or mm -hmm. offline. In terms of like within the game, the tenets of the game, I I don't I don't know. I've not thought about it too much. I don't that's probably a better question for James. Okay. <laughs> well, you, next time you see him, let him know. Yeah. We'll uh yeah, know like, what what you, yeah, like I mean who's I don't know if you, well, you guys probably are aware, like, loads of characters and, um, you know, even how they've designed the cards and whatnot are influenced by friends, family, experiences mm -hmm. that James had, people that, you know, are close to him. Like, there's a little quarters um, on the cards. I'm just having a look. I'm surrounded by cards that for our resources. Mm -hmm. Um like that's a part of Maori culture that oh, really? James has talked okay. to. Yeah, I'm just gonna grab my art. Yeah, no, didn't yeah. know that either. These yes. are the things that I like hearing. Like you had mentioned yeah. Coronet Peak earlier, and that is a mountain um, in yes. New Zealand and in Queenstown. People, yeah, and I don't think a lot of people knew that. Um, oh, I'm gonna sh show you something that nobody can see. Okay. Um, <laughs> a year and a half ago. Uh, at Christmas time, I went on a little endeavor with my daughter, who was seven at the time, to help draw a deck for me. So I wanted her to draw all of the cards for Icelander cards. Mm -hmm. And then so when I explained to her, 
I said coronet peak. And she's like, what is it? I'm like, well, the picture is a crown. But I was like, in it's actually Whoa. a mountain in New Zealand. And she was like, okay. So she kind of took that and she drew this little mountain. And it's like my favorite thing that it she drew so from this deck. Cute. And so when you brought it up, I was like, I had to show you um, just because I, it's a little tidbit. I don't know how many people know that. And I think it's really, I think that's really cool. Oh. So when we're talking about like the, the influence of New Zealand on the game, this is the, also the first thing that comes to my mind as well. So mm. that, it's interesting because I guess, I don't know if it's just because we're from New Zealand and we see LSS and members of, you know, from the team and, I mean, we don't. We see usually see James as much as anybody else, which isn't a lot. But maybe we take it for granted, and like, because we know it, we're like, oh, Coronet yeah. Peak, nice one, nice one, LSS, <laughs> and you know the Cordus and the like on the cards and and stuff, and you know, like there's Ragamuffin's hat, which is somebody in the community that's also a friend. That's Ian Kenderline, I believe. Ian, yeah. 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 And um, Janice is another friend of um, James's. And there's the Meeps. Have you guys heard the Meep story? No, I haven't heard the Meeps. Please. No. Oh, my God. So I learned this at Nationals, um, our Nationals this year, a couple of months ago. Um so the little, you know, the little Meeps, the cute little furry Meeps, mm-hmm. they are inspired by, it's James's nephew's daughter. I think her name is Astrid. Um, she must be like five or six. Anyway, she has these imaginary friends and her imaginary friends are always stealing things. So he decided, you know what, we're going to call them Meeps. And so in the, there's another picture where there's a girl, she's a giant girl. Anyway, you see the meeps throughout, like, you know, in Tales of Aria, I think they sort of popped up, they're dancing. Okay. But that's where they've come from. That's where they're inspired from. That's cool. This- I love stuff like that. And I hope that there eventually is, like, a, a website dedicated to all of the little Easter eggs that yes. LSS and James put into the game. Um, that, you know, whether they're for real or speculative, I love hearing these stories uh, and kind of, like, learning more about the game so thank you for sharing that oh that's okay yeah Yeah, so just getting back to that influence of new zealand Mm. on the uh just thinking about the online community of of flesh and blood when Mm -hmm. when i got into the game around the same time as you in monarch uh slash tales of aria the online influence of new zealand was huge you know so many of the top players were from new zealand you know, they were posting all over the discords and and just a lot of influence versus today. The game is worldwide. There's so many different countries and people from all over the world playing and enjoying the game and contributing to that community. Do you still see the the fingerprints of that early New Zealand dominated or New Zealand majority <laughs> um, community uh, carried on in the community today or has it changed? So do you mean in online? Is that what you're talking about specifically? Yeah, I, I guess it would be online because I, yeah. I, I wouldn't have seen uh, how the New Zealand local how it rolls in New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> I so I started play actually playing in April of last year, mm-hmm. and I think I became a part of the community not long before that online, probably four or five months maybe. So I 
I wasn't part of what you're talking about. So like the okay. online and I'm not actually, I'm in the flesh and blood worldwide discord, but I don't spend any time in there. I pretty much live on Twitter. Um, and that's where I've met most people. So I think, and you know, where I spend time, no, I think it's probably there's less Kiwis on there or New Zealanders. Um, sorry, I keep referring to us as Kiwis. Then perhaps what you saw back in Monarch. I mean, I've okay. seen a we've seen a bit of a resurgence. Like I think Kale's on there now, Kyle McCreith, and a few other of our top players who weren't on there six months ago are now kind of getting in there, which is cool. Um, yep. But yeah, that's been my experience. So that sounds really cool, though. So was it? Were they pretty prevalent back in the day? Oh, ab- absolutely. It was. I mean, the the guests that we had previously to you said, you know, it was it was, it was fun. It was the Wild West days. <laughs> there was one incident where a lot of the top New Zealand players decided to invade the Canadian server because there was some kind of beef going on. It was it was crazy. <laughs> it was, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I think at the time, like New Zealand players had like a six to nine month head start on the game Mm, and that was one of the that was one of the early reasons as to why they were better they had developed metas and they had Mm -hmm. figured out you know good cards and bad cards and deck lists and people were over here in north america were still just getting into the game and learning so i think they they really did have an advantage and you know maybe just by time and size of player base that that gap is maybe you know um closed a bit or fully i don't know I think it's definitely close. Sorry, those New Zealand players that are listening. (laughs) But, I mean, it's, you know, we see there's a plethora of incredible players from around the world, from every part of the world. It's not just New Zealand. Yeah, we see, you know, Matt Rogers, he's usually top-hating something. But, you know, there's some fantastic players from Australia, Canada, the US, Poland, all over the place. So I think yep. I think we've closed that gap. And now that Japan's jumping on the bandwagon, yeah. I don't think we've even seen, you know, potentially the best of the best. We've got some awesome countries jumping on board now. Yeah. I guess uh, my last question about the topic of New Zealand is, uh, mm. does are you proud that the game, you know, a little game called Flesh and Blood from New Zealand has taken over the Absolutely. world in a sense? Yeah. Yes. What, it, what does it mean to you? Yeah. It is. I am very proud. And so I, you know, when I'm talking to people or meeting people, and, you know, even in my old job, I taught my entire team how to play Flesh and Blood. I bought them decks my last week there, and we played. And so, you know, I'm always talking about the game. They're like, oh, you know, what is it? Is it like, you know, poker? And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's a trading card game. And they're like, what is that? And so I get to explain it, talk about it. And as soon as I say it's made in New Zealand, I'm like, really? And so I'm very proud. And other people get really excited when they hear that, you know, we've got this game that's worldwide that's from little old New Zealand. And, I mean, in our country, I think, was it this year? Last year? Last year we made, you know, the, I think it was like a oh the Deloitte's top 50 companies in New Zealand and Alessius was number one for doing like thousands of percent over like revenue something ridiculous like 7,000 something amazing like that so I mean it is very cool 
and it's you know it just so happens to be my favorite game so even better oh yeah totally um do you consider yourself like a competitive player a casual player like what's your level of engagement when it comes to like playing the game good question all these great questions um i i would say i'm probably competitive so my ambition is to you know i'd love to my next goal is to win a pro quest i've got one coming up in a couple of weeks i've come you know i top eight at a couple last round i've won my skirmishes i'm like okay cool and yeah so i've got different goals but even though you know i like to play competitively still very much into wanting to just play casually like i got around the table and i've been carrying that around for like the last week and a half to every armory i go to and playing with people and it's so much fun you know that's not competitive that's just fun yeah and we need more of that so the pro quest is it local to you or do you have to like travel to like auckland we're very fortunate Auckland? auckland For me, when I'm driving, it's two and a half hours, but everyone's like, oh my God, you drive like an old lady. Apparently, it's two (laughs) hours if you're a speed demon. (laughs) Um, But Auckland, I won't be going to Auckland. We've been fortunate enough to have one in my home city. Very lucky. And there's another one about an hour's drive away in a place called Hamilton. That's a draft. And then our one is CC. So in New Zealand, I think we only got... One, two, three. I think we've only got five CC draft. Uh, sorry, five CC PQs. Yeah. Okay. The rest are draft. So another question, staying in this kind of realm, how do you engage in the flesh and blood community nowadays? Are you just a player? I, I already kind of know the answer to that, but what else do you do besides just kind of playing? Well, as part of my intro, Felix talked about a podcast that I have with my friend Elaine. So that's kind of been on the back burner for a little while because we that podcast is targeted towards women in gaming and you know raising up that part of the community and empowering women um but that's been on hold because we ran a rainbow pitch league which is an online league for um, women and gender minorities that finished up a couple of months ago Mm. um so do that's the kind of stuff that i get into our player base where I live, so we have two LGSs here, also very lucky to have two. We've had one for a very long time. Um, it's been kind of waning with numbers, and I think people have – some people are burnt out. Um, I know one person was after Nationals and just – yeah. So trying to – like we've been looking at trying to get new players in, um, but we need to do more – to get people in. I taught my nephew, he's nine, over the holidays <laughs> last week. I taught him how to play, and he's now likes playing Ira. So I'm like, okay, cool. But that's kind of, yeah, I play um, podcast. You know, organizing, we'll be running another league next year. So we need to start organizing that. And yeah, that's what I do. I'd like to do more. I did have a dream of going out to girl schools and teaching girls how to play so now that i don't have a job technically and i'm a lady of leisure i could potentially do that so that's something i might think about doing over the next couple of months you talked about the importance of having two game stores locally support the game but you mentioned Mm. some concerns that maybe sometimes the player base gets burnt out or sometimes Mm. sometimes it shrinks sometimes it grows so clearly 
your local scene is important to you. And yes. we're just curious, I think, what makes it important to you? The relationships, the friendships that I have, um, that's important. So there have been a few people that have burnt out. Um, when it, and we've actually got a, quite a few women. Well, we've got less now because they've moved to another city. But um, I think that's what's important to me is the, the friendships that I have and that people are just like, man, um, I want to play Magic the Gathering. I'm like, no, but, you know, cool, you do you if that's what you want to do. You know, you can play a different game. You don't have to play Flesh and Blood all the time. Um, yeah, so that's what is important to me. Um but I was, it's interesting because I was having a conversation. Who was I talking to? I was talking to someone last night about, oh, it was Kale. It was Kale McCreth. And we were talking about, you know, how armories are going and numbers. And I think they get six to ten people at their yeah. armories in Auckland, which is huge. Like, for us, that's amazing. But Auckland's a huge city. And I was like, well, sometimes our armories aren't even firing which is uh, pretty sad. And just talking about, you know, the different reasons why people burnt out is a big one. I actually haven't been to an armory since Nats. So I hadn't been for like five weeks, I think, because I was pretty much, you know, I'd still talk to people through chat and encourage people to go, but I was like, no, I need a rest. Um, So just talking about the different reasons and I think to try to help not only sustain the base, but build it, um, the players, along with the LGS, I think it's their responsibility to try to bring new people in as well. Like fresh blood is always really cool, right? Like when you've got a new person, we've got a couple of newbies and like teaching them to play and, you know, seeing the excitement that you once had when you first started and that whole learning curve. So, sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but it's something that I've been thinking about because the numbers have been kind of low and like, okay, what do we need to do? And um, because the last thing I want, because like we've got an armory tomorrow and I hope I'm not the only person there. I'll be very sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what can we do to, to help build the community back up and get people back in? And whether it's changing heroes as well, because we all kind of play the same heroes and people kind of get sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> so being like, right, this week, everybody, we're going to play Blitz and you got to play somebody you've never played before just to mix it up a bit. and Because um, it also sucks if you're winning all the time and people are always losing all the time. Like yeah. that's – for me, when I first started, like I didn't win for a while and then when I finally won an armory, it was super exciting. But now the shoe's on the other foot and I feel like – and I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm like, okay. We just need to change heroes and I don't want to give games away, but, you know, I don't know how to put that. I just, yeah, it does suck for other people to constantly come and not win. Oh, I think, I think we've all kind of been there where, you know, this game is difficult and it takes a while to start getting wins. I'm like myself, I'm not somebody that could just swap heroes and win an armory. I need to somehow put time into that hero and eventually get better at it and learn the sequences that you're looking for and the turnaround turn. So um, I think that's a really good way to, you know, sort of, I guess, stop winning or doing well or being that continuous threat at an armory and make it a little bit more fun for the new people. Um, Kind of while you were talking about burnout, Mm. do you think that there's too many official LSS events? One of the, 
I feel like because like I talked to my wife about going to stuff all of the time and I feel like, well, okay, after skirmish season, it'll be a break. Uh, I won't be going to events. I won't be practicing with the boys. It'll slow down. And that day never comes. It's like skirmishes <laughs> into PQs or RTNs or Nats or some sort of calling that people are testing for and you kind of always want to be a part of it. Do you think that there is too much on the schedule and that's what's burning people out? Or do you think it's maybe something else? Again, that's a great question. And I've heard that bandied around a bit. I, it's interesting because another part of the conversation I was having with Carl the other day is that he was like, Oh, we don't have enough events in New Zealand, you know, to keep people's interest up. Whereas in the States or a country, perhaps maybe in Canada, I'm not sure, but definitely in the States, you know, they, you can get fatigued. Mm-hmm. You know, there's battle hardens, there's callings, there's, you know, you might have been a, a state where you could attend seven armories in a week, although you can do that in Auckland as well. I think they've got seven armories in a week you can yeah. go to. Um, so the world is your oyster when it comes to playing fab. So, you know, and I've, and the people that have been burnt out that I know of, and even me, it was, it's, I think, our own decision to invest time and energy into the game. And if, you know, just like, you know, when you're working, right, you've got to manage your, you know, your stress and all that kind of stuff. If you're not doing it appropriately, then you're going to burn out. You're mm-hmm. going to get sick of it. Um, so I think it's our responsibility to make sure we're keeping ourselves in check. Do I think that there's too many events? No. Um, I think it is up to an individual to make a, a decision to – I really need to attend the skirmish. If I'm a competitive player, do I care? Maybe. Could I invest that time in myself to maybe relax a little bit and maybe prepare for, I don't know, a ProQuest? Yes. Um, if you're going to play every skirmish, every ProQuest, every armory, and prepare for Worlds and Pro Tour and everything else, then you're going to get burnt yeah. out. And that's you can't put that on LSS. It's not their fault. They put these events up for people to make their own conscious decisions on whether they're going to attend. That's my two cents. No, that's a really great answer. What do you guys think? I'm interested in what you guys think. <laughs> I think you're I think you're right. Um, for me, it consumes me all of the time. Like mm. somebody now that it's a, a podcast creator, I attend up to three armories a week. Wow. Cool. If uh, <laughs> if I'm and then if I'm not doing that, I am consuming uh, YouTube videos or you know, scanning the the discords, like that's kind of my life. If, if I'm not doing something with my family and I have free time, flesh and blood is consuming me. And I did get a little bit burnt out a little while ago, a few months ago, which mm. took a couple of years and I needed a break from doing stuff. But I've also felt lost at the same time. I'm like, I could, I could be at the armory tonight playing games, even though, you know, I'm sitting here at home doing nothing. So mm. I, I think you're right in, in that it's in the, control of the player and the person that they have to regulate how much they engage um because like from yeah like i said for me it was all consuming because i don't know james white just created such a fantastic game that i can't get it out of my head you know yeah. and i just genuinely we feel you it. we understand right and then like <laughs> you mentioned also the community that has uh gotten into the game just wonderful people people that i enjoy spending time with that basically instantly became friends. Uh, Felix and I didn't know each other prior to flesh and blood. And here we are um, doing a podcast weekly together. So that's, that's kind of my take on it. Hmm. 
Yeah, even further to that, I think because the game is young, I think a lot of people that are leaders in the community or people that are pushing the game feel a pressure to be there for every skirmish, for every pro quest, for every RTM. Mm. Because you want to be there, you want to show that, you know, the game is growing, you want to be there on the front lines, walking the walk when you say, hey, try this game out, come to these tournaments, come to these armories. Because if 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 you just tell people to go to an event, but you never show up, like, people might ask some questions about how genuine you're being. So I totally get that pressure. I feel that pressure sometimes. Mm. But I think you have to, at the same time, be willing to loose you know just just pull back a little bit and remember at the end of the day you have to prioritize yourself your family like the game at the end of the day is just a game it's not family it's not health it's not Mm. you know even your your job or or whatever else is important so yeah a lot of that's a good point felix (laughs) yeah and there's you know the self-imposed pressures and you know i should turn up and you know you guys have your podcasts obviously and maybe you feel a little bit of that yeah um yeah so melody you are one of the people leading the charge for greater diversity and inclusion of different minority groups in our hobby through so many initiatives like the Pitch Perfect podcast, the Rainbow X Pitch League, and just your ongoing engagement generally in the community. Could you tell me about why it's important to be, why it's important to you to be on the front lines advocating like you do? Yeah. Hey, thank you um, for for noting, you know, the, I guess the different things that I support. I think that just in gaming spaces in general, um, there is a lack of representation of women. Um, in some, there's probably a little bit more, but um, we don't really have a, a great voice, I think, in these spaces. And part of you know the the reason for starting Pitch Perfect is we saw that. Um, you know, we were two women, and we're like, hey, you know, I'm. I went a bit crazy and I was like, I was trying to find all the female players in New Zealand. So I set up a chat and I went out there and I'm like, where is everybody? You know, to, to one woman, there's like 20 men. Um, and, you know, it's been an interesting journey, but I, there are, you know, I guess there are things that women experience that men don't um, when it comes to gaming environments. So I think bringing, you know, those, I guess some of them are issues, but um, concerns to the fore through the Pitch Perfect podcast um, has been really important, you know, and there's the saying, boys will be boys and how, you know, and this is a generalization, right? Like this is an all guys, um, how they might be or how they might communicate with each other or with you or their behavior at LGSs or events or whatever, um, how that impacts on women or how people can feel, I think that has been another really important aspect of what we've done on the Pitch Perfect podcast. And we've had perspectives from both sides, right? Like female and male, you know, sometimes guys have absolutely no idea. And, you know, and it it might not always be guys as well. It can be just behavior in general, just to make it more inviting, not just for women, but for anybody at all that's um, attending an LGS or an event or new or old. So I guess highlighting 
the change that needs to to be made in these spaces and giving a voice to those to to help influence that change has been really important to me and I'm going to say also Elaine and we've seen it like we've had I personally have had a couple of you know well I've had messages from people that have listened to our podcast and very teary messages you know people very emotional saying you know like this is what we've experienced and thank you and um you know I'm going to try out this particular thing with this person um and I even talked about it on one of our podcasts uh, so when I very first started playing Flesh and Blood my second ever armory I traveled you know out of town to go to an armory I was all bushy-tailed and bright-eyed and I it was the evening and there were it was maybe 12 of us playing I think and all all dudes that's cool I'm like great and there was a guy sitting next to me and he absolutely lost his shit he was playing he was a brute he was right now he was playing against uh a Kano player and he absolutely lost it and he was like nah fuck this Do it. can I swear yeah go for yeah, it and he's like fuck this and he's like nah <laughs> And he threw all his shit around. He's like, nah, I'm not fucking playing. And he packed up his stuff and he packed a big hissy fit and he walked away. And I was like, is he okay? What's going on? What's going on? And I freaked out because I'm like, I've never seen behavior like that before. And I don't think it's very common, but he's like, fuck, hey, no, fuck this. Anyway, I would go over to the city. It's, it's in Hamilton and I'd play and the behavior didn't change. And I'm like, okay. Is anybody talking to him? What's going on? So I actually had a word to him and said, you know, this behavior is not cool. This is how you're making people feel. And he's like, oh. And then we had a skirmish and his, (laughs) you know, they called up the pairings. And, of course, his first pairing is Kano. He hates Kano. Mm -hmm. And I took him aside and I'm like, you just need to calm down. Just, you know, chill out. Don't worry about it. You're zen you know, whatever the outcome is. And he's like, Arr! and anyway, after that, he came up to me and he's like, you'd be so proud of me, Melody. He's like, you know what? I didn't lose my shit. I was really calm. And, you know, thank you. And I'm like, you know, sometimes it is just having a conversation with somebody. I mean, it took a little while, it took a couple of months, but, you know, he, for anybody else, you know, male or female that might've come up against that situation, like my second armory, would have been like, fuck this. No, I'm not coming back. I've got pretty tough skin. So I was just like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, and I got a message about that particular person from some people in the community who are like, thank you for talking to him. You know, he's changed and now it's much nicer. So I think while it's great to advocate for the change that you want to see, also need to be a part of it, you know, and if you see behavior out there that's not cool is talking to that person if, you know, you feel safe to do so. Um, And, you know, there's been other occasions as well. I mean, it's not perfect. I don't think in any, you know, any game, it's you're not going to get the sort of perfect community, but people can't change if you don't give them the opportunity to. So, well, don't tell them or share with them, you know, well, this is how that makes me feel. And if they're reasonable, they'll take it on board. Sorry, that was my big long story. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us, Melody. And it takes a lot of courage to confront someone in in a situation like that. And 
that's kind of the thing that you sign up for when you lead the charge on any kind of change in a community, be it changing one person's behavior, aggressive behavior, or trying to shape the attitudes towards a whole minority group uh, like you're you're doing with um, the podcast and the Rainbow Pitched League. And if, if I can ask, like you, you've shared that a lot of people have reached out to you. Can you share some, like, what do you feel the greatest success has been um, in all of your advocacy and engagement so far? I think, and this will be, this is a combination. So this is between the Rainbow Pitch League and Pitch Perfect podcast and the feedback and everything. It has been, <laughs> so let me just think about this. How am I going to word this? I think it's creating, and it's probably a bit more to do with the Rainbow Pitch League, but with that, it was being able to create a safe space for women and gender minorities to play the game they love with like-minded people in a space where they felt safe, which was, you know, there's there are a few pillars with the Rainbow Pitch League and we've got pillars in Pitch Perfect, but, um, and that's kind of, you know, separate to the Rainbow Pitch League. That's kind of the feedback that, um, we'd had from listeners, the women listeners who were like, wow, you know, I feel, you know, I, it's awesome to see that there are other women out there playing and I feel more empowered to go out into my LGS. Like I was a little bit nervous, but you know, like that, those kinds of um, emails or I guess feedback from people has been amazing. And I think that's probably, yeah, been one of the greatest things. That's so nice to hear. And Man, I, I think about all the great strides because there is a lot of progress, I think, when I see and I hear my nieces and nephews, they have D&D <laughs> clubs in their schools now, and I hear that it's a perfect gender balance or it's close to 50-50 and it's oh, acceptable it's for so cool. both men and women to be playing these games. And there's all these great shows like, I, I don't know, like Critical Role and all, all mm. these others that have men and women playing awesome parts and they're all kicking ass together <laughs> and i i think there's there's been so many good advances in gaming but you know some segments might be a little bit further ahead than than others um and and yeah no just i i'm really excited about um about what you're doing and it it just gives me a lot of hope i guess and <laughs> in humanity <laughs> and in, in the flesh and blood uh, community that that stories like that are being shared. Um, so overall, then, do you feel supported by LSS officially for your efforts and also by the online community? Absolutely. 110%. So LSS and James have been incredible. Um, LSS actually sponsored some of the prizing for the Rainbow Pitch League, some really cool cold foil hero cards. And the online community, uh, again, they're an incredibly supportive, loving community who just want to, um, you know, want to elevate people and give people hugs and support each other. So, yeah, I definitely do. And, and I'm sure you know, thinking about Elaine and Kiki who are part of Pitch Perfect and Rainbow Pitch League could say the same. 
like but personally yes definitely that's really great to hear i think um one thing that i remember that lss did was there was a fundraiser i think it was the professor like magic but i guess he's now flesh and blood too but the professor <laughs> held a, a giveaway in support of um i think it was um the transgender community and i think lss donated a a lore book to that as well so i yes they did yeah i mean yeah so just something like that shows that you know they're they're willing to support you know initiatives like like that in, mm. in support of various uh, minority um groups so you know massive um massive shout outs um for that i guess just moving on though like is is there anything that you feel that um either the overall community or lss can do better to support you know further outreach of the game to these minority groups again another good question i guess the the short answer is we can always do more right always 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 mm. um it's an interesting question for lss or flesh and blood like i think I mean, their focus is to grow the player base um, and through the story of Flesh and Blood, which, you know, is very inclusive for, I guess, gender minorities and female, you know, mana wahine, which means really strong female characters and all that sort of stuff. That mm -hmm. sort of helps to bring people into the game. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what the, obviously, what the marketing strategy and, and whatnot is, but I also think that there is a responsibility, like I talked about before, like we've all got responsibility to try to bring, you know, more diversity to the game. Whether that's running learn to plays or, you know, you know, or if you've got a new person that comes to play and maybe it's a woman or a Māori or I don't know, you know, somebody that is a gender minority that you, you've noticed is to be um, supportive, inclusive and like I would, I would imagine most people in the flesh and blood community would be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's not a great answer, but I, and I'm sure people have other views on how they think maybe Alice's could do more. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I we, it's a, it's an impossible question to answer fully, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's like being asked, hey, how would you solve? you know discrimination mm. worldwide and how how can legend story studios <laughs> <laughs> stop it it's, I, I i i definitely get that and it's it's all about small acts right mm. because everyone is an individual that can only do so much um if i do if i myself can get up on a soapbox um just for a moment it's um you know, I, I, I work in construction, I'm an engineer, and one thing that that we say, or one thing that the good companies that, that work in the industry say is, um, you know, if you see it, you own it, mm. and if you walk by, you condone it. I oh. think about all the different work, if you think about all the different workplace accidents that happen, you know, if, if someone's not wearing their hard hat, or if someone's doing something incorrectly, and then they end up injuring themselves or worse, then it's the responsibility of the entire crew, of mm. course, management, but it's the responsibility of everyone. We all have a duty to look out for each other and to protect each other. Um, the challenging thing about 
games is that unlike a workplace accident, it's not apparent when we've lost someone. It's not mm. like, you know, this worker wasn't wearing the hard hat and they got hit in the head. It's this person went to the game store or went to a game group and experienced discrimination and now they're not there anymore. We we don't see that. They probably will leave quietly, yes. not wanting to make a fuss. And we've we've lost that. So it puts an even greater on us as individuals to look out for that behavior and to stop it um, where it stands. I love that's, that. That's my piece. Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome. What about you, Shay? Any thoughts? Who's doing the interviewing here? Melody? Yes, Shay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, like, I like that you keep turning it. Uh, I, I can't um, articulate as well as you two already have. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I think know, it's um oh it's a it's a very very challenging topic and you know even myself I can go into a game store or I can go into many places and feel like I fit right in but not everyone has that privilege and that's why yeah having all these different places where people do feel safe is is very very important and to create more safe spaces and to make sure that the spaces that we do have are kept safe is another very important thing yes. so yeah it's all it's all one and the same and i think if i can talk to so for those that are listening before we jumped on we had a bit of a corridor corridor means discussion um you know about flesh and blood and stuff and i've talked about it before on i think our podcast is and we talked about it earlier in our our discussion today is the culture of flesh and blood in the community and i strongly 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 believe and think that is hugely influenced by james and also the entire team at lss which is partly a kiwi thing obviously because we're all new zealanders um and that culture you know and we talked about you know the first time to the listeners out there God, should I join your podcast? Anyway, we talked about the first time um, yes, we met James absolutely. <laughs> and how, you know, our experiences with meeting him and how genuine he is. And he is, he is like that with every single person. Like when you're talking to him, it's just you and him. And I was telling Shane Felix, you know, you talk to him and then maybe talk to him six months later and he'll remember everything about that conversation. He'll draw on it. He remembers little things about people. He's genuine and he cares. And that floats right through to the culture that we have in flesh and blood. And so I think that, you know, not, like I said, I've not been a part of any other gaming communities apart from Pokemon Go. I had no idea who the CEO of that company was or I knew Niantic were the developers. But, you know, we created our own sort of um, communities and, and culture. But I think that's a large part of why we have such a great community. And I think with that we can help to, you know, uphold the values and, you know, the type of behavior that we want to see um, out there. Yeah. Yeah. This is a tough topic to to want to wrap up here. It's so important and there's so much to say, but I guess, Melody, if you do have a top tip or one thing that our listeners can put into action in their local communities, would you have just something to that they can take away a top tip oh that's a tough one um 
Oh, um, just some some words of wisdom. I don't have any words of wisdom. Okay. I'm thinking, you know, uh, just treating people like you would treat your own family. Um, hopefully, you're nice to your family, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe that's not a good tip. Um, well, you know, yeah. like being thoughtful and kind and inclusive. You know, whoever comes across your path, no matter what they look like, what they sound like, you know, anything to do with the person, just treating them as one of your own and, you know, making them feel included. If they don't come back, whatever, cool. It doesn't matter. You know, you know that you've done your part and you've been a good human being. Um, that cause That's the only top tip, one tip. I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff behind that. But I think that's, you know, just be a nice person. Can you tell us about running the Rainbow X hmm. Pitch League? What that's like? Where did the idea come from? Yeah. Um. So the Rainbow, we need to get rid of the X, but Rainbow, because it's supposed to be like you know Rainbow Times Pitch, Rainbow Pitch League. Anyway, okay. um, that that had been. So we had Yuki on our show in the early days of Pitch Perfect, and we had been thinking about, oh, you know, it'd be cool to run a an event and. Yuki kind of challenged us to it and we're like, ha, 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 okay, cool. We've got to kind of got to do it now that you, we told Yuki we were going to do it. And <laughs> we'd been putting it off because there had been um, different events. You know, we just talked about events, right? And in the States, mm-hmm. there's 25 million of them. So mm-hmm. we couldn't just put it off because the States was having a battle hardened or whatever. We just had to do it. So um, we originally – because I had already put into motion a Pitch Perfect uh, event in New Zealand, like I'd partnered up with a couple of LGSs, and then we thought, you know what, let's get Kiki involved. So Kiki um, looks after, is the head of, the the um, Rainbow, I was going to say Rainbow Pitch, Rainbow Foils Discord. So that's for gender minorities and queer folk and, and whatnot. And... Kiki lives in Wellington, so Kiki and I are friends like from New Zealand, and we wanted to bring everybody together. And we're like, let's do it all together. So, and let's make it for all the minorities, mm-hmm. and yeah. And so that's that's basically how sort of the idea popped up. And we thought, you know, we're very aligned with um, our values and what we want to do for the community, and we came together. Nice. What level of response were you mm-hmm. thinking you might get from it when you? did decide to put it out there we thought we'd get 30 people at the most um i was optimistic i was like oh you know because we put a cap at 64 and then we got 64 under registrations within the first week of registrations being out so we did not expect we were going to get that many. And then we had a couple of people that were on standby and we had to take the registration down and cut it off. And so it was pretty, that's when shit got real for us. Cause we were like, <laughs> Oh my God, there are so many people that are going to play. Now we need to like be professional and organize all this stuff. We were being professional, but um, yeah. So that's, it was a very exciting time when we had the, re- we were just always together like online and like how many registrations have come in and Yes. What role did you fill behind the scenes? 
you should ask Kiki and Elaine. So I was the one cracking the whip. I'm the organized one. So oh. I um, yeah. I set up so like our online directory and knowledge management. Um, so and I organized our so all the structures in there. I had a little marketing plan going on. I had all sorts of. I, I I'm it's in Confluence, which is a, a a platform. I we had weekly meetings where we had to we had a chair, so we had a roster. I made sure that people kept to the roster and on topic, because when you get three of us together, we just want to talk about everything but what we're supposed to be doing. Right. So I was keeping people in check. And like we all had our own specific roles. It was really, really cool because it kind of naturally happened. But I am very much, you know, organizer, strategy, which is kind of part of my background as well, comms, that sort of stuff. Um, Elaine took on a big technology role in terms of editing. And Kiki, like usually I'm the social media butterfly, but Kiki took that on, which was fantastic because I was too busy in the background cracking whips and trying to get stuff organized. Um, so that's what I did. And I'm going to say right now that we totally underestimated how much work goes into mm-hmm. um, running an event like this. Kiki is a store manager of our LGS in Wellington called Cerberus Games. And so Kiki's run in-person events for loads of different things. But even they said that the magnitude of – the event we ran is totally different. Like we had to set, you know, I created the website. That's something I did. Created the website, did all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, we had rules, we had code of conduct, we had values that we had to do. We had, there's a whole heap of stuff that we had no idea about um, that we had to basically level up and figure out. But we've got a much better idea of what we're going to do next year. And so, um, I have already started planning for these things. Like we even sent a survey out to participants um, after they'd finished participating in the league and um, with all these different questions so, so we can gauge how what we can do better next time, what mm-hmm. worked really well, all that sort of stuff, sponsors. But I think next time we definitely will get more people on board to help. It was wow. very, yeah, challenging for the three that's, of us. That's a lot more than I even would have considered myself, thinking that you guys would end up doing, like, just put up some matches Everything. and, you know what, let it, let it go. But apparently there's a lot more going into it. From the survey, was there a, a standout comment or suggestion that you got from somebody or a group of people? No, there was a general consensus, like, the everyone loved the the culture and the, the vibe. Because mm-hmm. we, part of what we wanted to do was to, again, create a safe space so everyone hang, hung out on our Discord. I think that's probably the big one. I We actually haven't read them all. We got 35 or 36 responses from 64. Normally when you good. put out surveys, because, you know, I come from, from a business background, you send out 100, you get two back. So mm-hmm. we just got absolutely smashed, which was fantastic. But um, I think there's definitely logistically there were there are things that we can improve on that we got feedback on that we've learnt. So a big thing. So if anyone out there who's listening wants to run an event and has sponsors, please, please, please ask them to send the prizes. Don't get them to send them to you and send them out. So we've been it's been a logistical nightmare for us because I've got some of the prizes here. 
Kiki's got them down in Wellington. Elaine's got them in the US. So we've been shipping right. them to each other. And we asked um, participants, because it's a not-for-profit um, right. venture, to pay for the shipping. So then we've had to get the shipping from people and then estimate shipping and then ship stuff ourselves. And it has been a learning, a great learning for us, an opportunity. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I know you already touched on a bunch of stuff already, but was there mm. something that surprised you uh, being involved with so many people in a tournament like this that you kind of didn't see coming? Ooh. I don't think anything surprised me. Like I knew it was going to be a lot of work and I'm a, you know, like I like to plan things out and, I definitely think we could have done more planning. They will probably say, no, we didn't need to, but we did um, to make things run a lot smoother. But no, nothing really surprised me or stood out. Um, Well, no, probably what did surprise me and the team was the amount of um, support and sponsorship. Like the people that wanted to donate stuff, it was absolutely insane. We just got smashed. People... Because I made a contact form on our website and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll add in sponsorship. And we just started, you know, they'd hear about it and they go, oh, we want to sponsor. You know, people that make little tokens wanted to give stuff from, you know, boxes to of product. And that was really surprising. And, you know, even though you asked me before, do you, you know, what do you think of the support in the community? Do you think people support, you know, Pitch Perfect and what we've done? I didn't think it would be as much as we got, like we had, we were giving away three, no, four prizes, I think a week. We gave, I don't know, like 80, 90 prizes out. It was crazy. Yeah. So I think that was probably the biggest surprise is, you know, people do actually care for what we're doing and that was really cool. Yeah. That's really excellent to hear. Um, success is an interesting word and everybody Mm. gauges it differently. Do you consider the Rainbow Pitch League a success? Yes. Yes. And you're absolutely right. Success, it depends on what your measurement of success is. Did it um, achieve the goals that we set out, which was, you know, we had our pillars. Did it empower our community? Yes. Did we give a voice to our community? I think, yes, we did. Um, did we help to build the community? Yes. Like when I say we, I mean, we wanted to bring everyone together. We mm-hmm. we were the driving force behind it. Um, yeah, I think, I definitely think so. Um, is there room for improvement? Yes. Yep. I definitely think we can do things differently. And, you know, some of the feedback, it hasn't all been, you know, rosy. It's been like, oh, well, we thought this or we thought that. And, you know, some some people felt differently, you know, like our perspective on things we found out that wasn't the same perspective from others. So working through that as well. Yes, I think it was successful, but I also think that there are lots of opportunities for us to improve next time. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. Is there, what's coming up next for the league? Can you share? Ah, that's a really good question. I've said that like 25 million times (laughs) through this interview. Um, What's coming next is that, yes, we're having one. Um, that's all I can say. Um, that will definitely be next year. And 
there have been talks, although it will take a lot of organising, to potentially run one in the flesh and blood somewhere. Um, oh my goodness. If we could run one at the calling in January, like as part of a side event, that would just yeah. blow my mind. Um, I haven't talked to the team about that that Actually, if they listen to this, they're going to be like, what? We don't have enough time, Melody. But that's <laughs> we're definitely going to run one online. Um, there is potential that the – oh, no, this is so scary – that the player um, number might be uncapped. Right. Um, which will be insane. And then there is potential that there will be an in-person event at some stage. It might only be really small. I don't know, but it'll be cool to actually meet people. And it's most likely going to be at a big event if we're able to get in there, like on a side event or something. Mm-hmm. What sort of support do you need to make the next season even better? <sighs> hmm. Um, it would be, and we've talked about this as a team, we haven't actually written it out properly or, or planned for it. It would be actually sharing the load with the, the mahi or the work that we do, you know, people that are, you know, I mean, even down to like our emails, right? Like we're customer service. There's that sort of aspect. There's the editing, which while Elaine and actually Kiki, they did some of the editing as well. It takes up a lot of time and a lot of effort. And we're all trying to, you know, we're working full time as well mm-hmm. and trying to live our own lives outside of that like having support for with people that don't mind giving up some of their time to help us in the areas where we're not experts um to help things run smoother that would be a huge help i think that's yeah that would be the big one for us i have one more question for you on this topic to put you Mm. on the spot is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to share about the rainbow league no, I think I think we covered everything. I hope that everyone, or you know, not yet. Well, you know, those that are listening, maybe got to see at least one of the um, the the games. So they were streamed on Pitch Perfect. We had Yuki helping with casting and a few other people. Um, Mara Ferris, Dromai Main, she um, linked up with Kiki, and I think. That's also something that we're going to change next time is to be a lot more, I don't know, to be a bit slicker with our um, streaming and and promotion of that mm-hmm. because I don't know if we had a lot of views, but I think we could have had a lot more and there was a lot of interest. So, yeah. I know I watched a bunch of the episodes on uh, on YouTube. I didn't get to watch them live if they were streamed, but I really enjoyed them. and. For those that don't know, it is a lot of work to organize uh, people to time zones, uh, right? Because like, <laughs> this is worldwide. So, and then you have, like you said, Yuki in Canada and people across the world putting this together. It's a lot of work, but it is. I, from my side, definitely appreciate it, and I look forward to it uh, when you guys do do it again. Oh, thank you. And the cool thing is, so if anyone gets to watch any of the matches, although it was a very long one, I think it was two hours, our finale, um, our two finalists were actually able to meet up in the flesh and blood to pay their final match because they live locally. Well, kind of locally. Like, how cool is that? 
Yeah. If it had been New Zealand, wouldn't have been able to happen. But I thought that we thought that was pretty cool. It's pretty yeah, special. Super rad. Yeah. All right. Well, Melody, we've covered so many different interesting topics here, and I feel like we could just keep talking and talking. But I think we we will have to wrap this this up. But um, before we do, could you just share with us? thinking back at all your memories and accomplishments and initiatives um, in the flesh and blood space, what's your standout favorite memory so far? My standout memory. This is so flesh and blood on Twitter actually posted this two days ago as a question for everyone. I answered it with, Oh, cause it's so hard to pick. I answered that particular question from them as my first skirmish I got into the top eight it was like my second week of playing and and that was a very special moment I the most that the standout moment for me and a great memory was the first um spoiler that LSS gave to me um, I had no idea that I was getting it. I'd only been playing the game for, I think, a few months. And I got an email and I'm like, what's this about? And, oh, can we call you Melody? I'm like, oh, sure. And I absolutely screamed the house down. Like, I lost my mind. And that, yeah, that was incredible. And I, I'm just, visual, I'm just sorry, thinking about what when that happened and, then when I told my family and I was like, oh my God, it was pretty cool. And so, you know, and every time LSS say, hey, Melody or hey, Pitch Perfect, here's a, you know, a preview card. I'm very humbled because, you know, it's a pretty special thing. And every time I'm like, I don't think I'm cool enough to get one, but thank you. Okay. Thank you for, <laughs> no. for letting us showcase this or me showcase that. So, yeah, that's probably the one. No, that's that's great. And again, just more evidence or more more proof that LSS sees the work that you do as important, and that that makes me very very happy that you know whenever that happens. Do you have anything else or any closing thoughts that uh, that we didn't cover that you'd like to share? Uh, I don't think so. Other than um, for those that are listening. If you have the means and you're able to, I totally recommend coming to New Zealand in January for the Queenstown Calling. It is going to be incredible and we're going to have the the new set that we are getting the first look and draft at. It's going to be amazing. And we've got the celebrational. We're not sure quite what's happening there, but I think if people are able to, we've been waiting for an event in New Zealand, a big one like this, and if you're able to, I definitely would love to meet you there because I'm going there. I'm going to be there with bells on and I would love to meet as many people as possible from around the world. From Felix and I, thank you so much for chatting with us today. If people wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach out to you? On Twitter or X. I just did it. So you, people at home can't see me doing the X, but yeah. Uh, so my Twitter handle thing, strangely, isn't Melody Likes. It is NZ Fashion because I've had that right. handle for a very long time but that's probably the best place that's where i'm hanging out i'm a little quieter at the moment because i've just been doing lots of other fab stuff but yeah and i reply to everyone you know just reach out holla i'm here 
And you can reach us on YouTube, IP2Podcast, on Twitter, IP2Podcast, and on Mastodon, IP2Podcast at wraith.social. Thank you. Just wondering, is there a bit of lag?